we close our eyes or raise our hands during worship and seeing words like Christ is enough for me or I am a child of God and we nod our heads when the pastor says you were made in the image of God only to walk out the church doors to return to sin. Or maybe you squirm in your seat when you hear things like that because you struggle with the shame of knowing what you've just done or what's been done to you and you don't believe that you're worthy of that kind of image to bear. Do you struggle to connect the truth when it's spoken to truly believing it? Last episode, I talked about four steps to restoring your identity in Christ. And if you haven't listened to that, it's kind of a precursor to this episode. So you're going to want to go back and listen to it because today I take point three, which is remove, and I want to unpack it a little bit more and really offer some practical tips and some questions to uncover strongholds or false beliefs and lies that are keeping you stuck in negative patterns of behavior and that add issues to your relationships and really that need to be removed so that you can restore your identity in Christ. Because otherwise, what's the point in giving you steps if they're not broken down so that you can implement them? So go grab your coffee and get ready because here we go. This isn't a game of ding dong ditch. And don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you, friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters, or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR podcast with your host, Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. We can't just say we are a child of God or understand in our minds that our identity is in him. We have to connect it to our hearts and understand it deep down in our souls and really operate from a place of that understanding. Head knowledge of it does nothing but sound good when we try to convince others or ourselves of it only to fail or stumble or fall into sin, or hurt others, and then wonder what happened. And I know that you want wholeness. You want a healed soul, that reclaimed identity in Christ that allows you to peacefully bring you back to who you really are when the world throws insults at you or when someone hurts you. But it doesn't just happen. We have to put in the work. You ready? You're going to need a pen and something to scribble on. So if you're on the go, dig in your purse for that kid crayon or random permanent marker that you keep in there. I know it's not just me. (laughs) And find a random receipt or something to write on the back of. Or if you've got your life together, then go grab your cute journal and a pen. And I want you to write remove at the top of your paper. And while you're doing that, Just a disclaimer, I'm obviously not a 
licensed therapist or counselor, but I am speaking from experience of struggling to identify underlying reasons or beliefs for why I have behaved or acted or thought in certain ways and what has helped me. And then before you get started, before you write down these questions and actually dig into them, start with Holy Spirit. Just take a minute and ask for his help. And you can pause me right now and and do this, but ask him for his help in revealing and opening up memories and understanding so that you can let go and remove and begin to uproot these things from your heart that are taking the place of him on the throne of your heart. And you know, when you think about plants, once you remove the weeds, there's more space for healthy roots and fruit to grow. And I talk like I'm a gardener and I spend time tilling the soil, (laughs) but I understand the concept. And that's a really good example of how I understand something in theory, but I don't actually implement. So that's an example of what not to do. So here are some questions that once you're done listening to this, I really want you to take some time and dig into them. So leave some space between each of these questions on your paper because if you're anything like me, you're going to write all the questions down and then you're going to rewrite it because you forgot to leave space to write the answers. So anyway, number one. I want you to think about a time in your life when you believed something about yourself that wasn't true. So the question to write down is, what do I believe about myself that is not true? And again, this is going to take time to dig into, so I don't expect you to sit there and automatically just come up with all these answers, but maybe some things are going to come to your mind as you listen to a few examples. Maybe someone excluded you from a group or a team or the playground when you were a kid or something similar, and you believe that you were chosen last. You are unwanted or weird or didn't belong. Maybe you sustained an injury during a sport or activity or you physically have had a sickness forever change you. So you call yourself a former athlete or unable, disabled, left out, washed up, kicked off the team. Maybe your dad left when you were young and so you have this belief about yourself that you are abandoned and unworthy of love. Or maybe your spouse was unfaithful or left you so you are unwanted, inadequate. Maybe you were the unfaithful one so you are a harlot or trash or all kinds of other nasty, ugly words. I'll share an example. When my dad deployed when I was a teenager, my type A personality and being a firstborn, the story I told myself was, it's up to me now. I didn't know that's what I believed, that I was unnecessarily burdening myself with responsibility, but I went into perfectionism mode and told myself things like, you can't screw up, you can't fail, you got to be strong. And I've seen this play out in other things in my life since then and even in my marriage when I tend to think that it's up to me 
to accomplish certain things or to get things done. It's not true because I should be relying on the Lord for strength and not my own self. So I want you to think for a little bit and you can push pause to do this now in real time or come back and do it later after you've written all of these questions down. But I just want you to kind of think about the first memory or thing that pops up. You don't have to dig too deep or think too long. But maybe something that was traumatic or sad or that left you believing something about yourself because of it. And you may not easily identify the thoughts or the beliefs you have about yourself, but feelings and actions are easier to look back on. They're more obvious and they can lead you there. So did you suddenly stop trying out for a team? Did you sit in the back of a room or stop going out with friends? Did you start overeating? What about feeling depressed or unable to get out of bed? Or maybe you even gave up and continued a negative behavior pattern that you know wasn't right, but you just kept doing it. Those are some obvious signs that maybe there's something underneath that you are believing. So maybe that may help. Okay, the second question in helping you to identify and remove strongholds or false beliefs or lies that you have believed are part of your identity when they are not and to help you get to the point of restoring your true and actual identity in Christ. This second question um, may help. Number two, has someone ever given me advice that maybe they intended to be good advice but made me believe something that wasn't true? So that's the question to write down. So again, maybe it was well-intended, but perhaps was not the best. And maybe you can recall some conversations with a friend when she's told you things like, girl, you deserve better. Or, well, you need to put yourself first. Now, write down what that made you think or believe. Here, I'll go first. When friends have told me things like that, like I deserve better or I need to put myself first or think about myself first, as much as maybe they intended it to be a compliment or to encourage me, it wasn't biblically based. And so I ended up believing things like, again, it's up to me to do something about this. He doesn't deserve me. I'm better than him. It stoked my pride, which fed my critical nature. And that's not how God made me to be. That's not a reflection of a patient, kind God who extends grace. And so my distorted reflection, my wrong identity, was taking root in self and not in God. And that manifested in my behaviors towards my husband. And you might have to reverse engineer that. So you might have to, again, look at the behavior first or the words that you've been saying recently and spend some time thinking, who do I hang out with? What are the types of things that they say to me? Maybe it's you have a group of girlfriends that you hang out with and the way that they talk has begun to influence you. Or maybe it's a show you've been watching and the dynamics between the characters have influenced your thoughts and behaviors. 
Or if you look at your phone record and look at who you talk to the most, what is that person saying to you? So just kind of evaluate all of that around you, your circle of friends, your your influences, the things that you're watching or listening to, maybe it's music, and think about things that they're saying and how is that influencing your thoughts and beliefs about yourself and therefore causing you to act out or speak or think in negative ways that don't reflect who you are in Christ. Okay, question number three. And again, these are going to take some time. So if you got the time, by all means, push pause and write after these questions. But if not, just come back to them. But you're going to need to have this done before next episode. Just a little homework assignment from this former teacher. Okay, number three. What do you daydream about or hope or wish for? What do you daydream about or hope or wish for? So as you're walking around your house, interacting with your husband or your kids, what do you find yourself wishing for? Try writing down this sentence and fill in the blank with whatever comes up. I just wish that he blank. If only he would blank. What story are you telling yourself because of those daydreams? If only he would do the dishes after I cook can quickly turn into, he never does the dishes, he doesn't care about me. Or, I just wish that he could come to bed at the same time. Turns into believing things like, he doesn't want to spend time with me. Or, he doesn't think I'm beautiful. Or, I'm unimportant to him. Do you see how quickly our thoughts can spiral? And therefore, if we're saying those things to ourselves and believing that that's our identity, How do you think that affects our behavior towards our husband? The next morning when you wake up, if he didn't come to bed and you thought those things about yourself, how do you act toward him? It's probably a little more of the cold shoulder, a little more distant, not as receptive to a touch or a hug. We can also identify some underlying fears that hold us back from giving our all to our marriage or to another relationship. Fear is definitely a lie from the devil and it distracts you from who you are in Christ. It's sneaky and it's so sneaky that here's the question to write down. Here's how you can identify a fear. As sneaky as it may be, this question will help. What is your most uncontrollable emotion? Picture yourself when you're having one of your moments, right? Your emotional moment. What is that big emotion that you feel? Is it a ball of sadness, tears flowing, or depressive feeling? Or when you're feeling your strongest emotion that you can't control, is it anger? Is it jealousy? So try to picture yourself in that moment and then identify that feeling, that emotion. I may have already quoted this from um, in another episode, but y'all know I've been reading the book The Choice by Dr. Edith Eager, and she said something about anger, that she said that anger is never the primary emotion. There's always something more underneath it. And for me, my big emotion is anger. And for me, it typically means that 
I feel that my sense of security is at risk or I feel insignificant or sad about being looked over or misunderstood and those emotions I've had to work on expressing (laughs) because it just comes out initially as anger. And there was another line in the book that helped me understand that a bit more. Dr. Eager was doing um, a counseling session with someone who was expressing her anger and it says she didn't repress her rage as an unacceptable emotion. She found her way to what was beneath it, the depth and urgency of her love. And so often when we dig through whatever that first initial big emotion is, there's something else underneath and a fear of something, a fear of losing something or not having something or not feeling valued and loved and significant. Or these fears can point to idols in our lives, things that we idolize like safety or love. And those are good things. And I talk more about idolatry in episode nine, I believe, but we can hold on to something that really takes the place of God. Instead of holding on to him and who he is as our refuge and our strength, we are looking to others and we're angry when they don't show up for us. So those four questions I'm going to leave you with. And next Saturday, we're going to take those questions and the things that you've uncovered and work on some practical ways to remove them so that, like in last week's episode, you can get to step four of restoring your identity in Christ. So it's time to do some digging, girls. But trust that even when ugly things come to the surface, you are doing the work of uncovering and unrooting things that are keeping you stuck in negative behaviors, destructive thoughts, and God has so much more in store for you. Come back next week with a list of these false beliefs and lies and idols, and we will work together to remove them. Loads of love, Lydia. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.